Hello and welcome to your latest Liverpool Echo Blood Reds podcast. There's a different host today. Ian Doyle is off gallivanting after uh, a weekend spent on the south coast. So you're stuck with me, Neil Jones. But I have got great team news. We've got the return of our star man, Joe Rimmer. <laughs> no, oh, look, James Pearce is laughing there. No, we've got James Pearce back after a two-game absence with a, a quite a nasty, nasty cold. Over, over the worst of it, James, or still struggling? Uh, still struggling, but I'm a fighter. He is a fighter, and he's uh, he's very thankful for all the cards, messages. Yeah. Been overwhelmed, to be honest. Yeah, overwhelmed <laughs> indeed. He didn't know that many people cared. Yeah. Uh, I have got Joe Rimmer with me, and I've also got Christian Walsh, and we're here to discuss, well, a bad weekend for Liverpool and something that we haven't had too many of them this season. James, it must have been a it must have been a long drive back for you and for them Liverpool fans that made the trip down to Bournemouth. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, it was just. Just a, a mad outcome, wasn't it? To a game which for so long Liverpool looked in, in complete control of. I thought the first half was just so easy. I just thought Liverpool were, were two up without really even breaking into a sweat. You know, Bournemouth was, was so poor and you know, Liverpool kept on forcing them into mistakes. Real golfing class. And you know, I think I think maybe that kind of mindset contributed to what happened in the last fifteen minutes because you know, even when Bournemouth came to life second half. You know, as soon as Chan smashes that one in the but um, they they capitulated. And I think the most frustrating thing is, I think you know, I like probably many fans thought that that was a that was something that had been eradicated from you know the, the all season we've talked about you know the greater resilience and 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 that that diff change of mentality, which means that when their backs are against the wall, they dig in. Um, and, and they and they find a way out of it um, where previously certainly last season too often when when they were up against it they they buckled um, and it was it was a it was a throwback really the way that they were just fell to pieces you know panic set in yeah. you know you needed leaders you needed people to take responsibility nobody did and you know I, I was amazed Klopp was as philosophical as he was afterwards um, you know I'm sure I'm sure privately. His feelings were probably a bit different because you know to to lose that game was just you know, it's you know, it was it was disgraceful really from a position of of just absolute control. Yeah, Christian, I'll come to you because in the podcast last week I think you said one thing that's been missing from Liverpool's uh, if you like portfolio this season is a dominating, comfortable away win. And after 50 minutes, we thought, oh well, you've got you've got your wish. Where where did you think where do you think the uh, the problem come from Liverpool? Individual letters again. You look at the Crystal Palace game, for example, and uh, that was a game that should have been a dominating away performance, and two really silly errors. Uh, one from Lovren slash Carius, and then you know just another you know one where there was loads of mistakes for the second goal, and that goes in at two two three two eventually at half time. Uh, that ends up four two, but it wasn't the the the. the Two nil, three nil, four nil. That that Liverpool would have wanted again against Bournemouth. Just individual errors. You look at the first goal. Dejan Lovren missed times a header. Milner gives away the penalty. He knew what he'd done the second that you could see. He was he yeah. sort of had his hands in his head, um, or vice versa. Um, and yeah, both. You can do both, can't you? Um, and then from there, the the, the last three, and it, it's just. It's just momentum sometimes, isn't it? And Liverpool know all about momentum on the other on the other foot in the sense that think back to the Dortmund game last season, for example, get one, then get two, then get three. You know how it can happen. 
Uh, but it reminded me a little bit of the QPR game under Dalglish in 2012. Yeah. I think yeah. that was two Sebastian Quattas game. Quattas again, a, a brilliant goal to sort of light up the game. Liverpool not necessarily playing that well in its small, tight ground, but just when you need Liverpool to see out the game, one one mistake becomes two and becomes three, and then one goal becomes two and becomes three. So it depends how you look at this, really. It, it, yes, that you know. The, there are there are there are issues there which are clearly everybody thought were resolved that haven't been resolved. On the other hand, it was a bit of a freak occurrence which only you know it happened what was that two thousand and twelve so it happened nearly five years ago now. It yeah. doesn't come around too often that way. Liverpool sort of get against the ropes. Well, funny enough, it's the there's a tweet put out in Liverpool's history that's only the nineteenth time they've led two 0 and lost mm. in a game. I mean, Sabanson, obviously. Yeah, right, yeah. A, a but that's twice in the last five yeah, yeah. yeah. But different circumstances, I'm thinking, the last 15 minutes. But I suppose the, that result of Sabanson is. That was sort of, in a weird way, even though Liverpool had worse results, you think back to Watford and West Ham and Newcastle, that sort of represented the Nadia under Klopp's reign in, in the sense that just as they thought they were getting their act together and maybe had a little shelf for top four, they're in control in that game, you know, absolutely flying and they just capitulate. It happens again there. Well, I, I w- you'd also throw in the Europa League final. I know it's not a less a less high, uh, a less convincing lead that they had, but it's certainly a similar style of sort of capitulation, wasn't it? And there was dominance there as dominance. well, wasn't and it? also yeah. I, I don't know about you, Joe, from from your perspective, but seem seemingly obviously coming as well. When you, you know yeah. Liverpool seem to have that in them that you think they're going to score here, aren't they? The opposition are going to score, and they do. And then you think they're going to get another one, and they do. And that—that's how it felt. I mean, being with Andy Kelly yesterday, he's another absentee from the podcast today, and I can tell you that Andy Kelly turned the air, turned the air pretty blue with with some of his language yesterday watching that. And <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't the only one. I can imagine. Uh, what worries me in these games, it happened at Southampton all those years ago. QPRs, they just lose total control of the game. There's no point where they'd be able to. In the first half, they were so dominant. They don't put their foot back on the ball. They don't slow it down. You know the the three midfielders. I thought in the first half they were outstanding. Yeah, yeah. You know Jordan Henderson was absolutely brilliant in the first half. Kept the ball so well. Didn't seem to give a pass away. And in the second half they totally get overran and lose control. And it wasn't like Bournemouth were playing great stuff. It was just up and at them, and they they had a go. And Liverpool yeah. just wilted. Do you think Henderson's booking played a part in in in, in the way the game went? Because he got booked sort of yeah. ten minutes into the second half, didn't he? And then, I think he did, yeah. And then Perhaps I think so. I think he would have been conscious that he wouldn't want to get sent off in a game like that. Yeah, I I I did actually think that when I was driving back actually that that that, that seemed like a moment that was actually quite important in the game. Yeah. Remember non-discreet. Not only that, it, it made Stanislas go off. Yeah. By the way, was the best yeah. player on the pitch for the last half an hour. Yeah. And I'd, I'd never even heard of him. Like, <laughs> Googling him, a young lad from Aberdeen. Yeah. And Ipswich last year on loan. Just, you know, strong and, and quick and just direct and purposeful. And Have you put just, a bid in yet? <laughs> he'd definitely get into our record team, I know that. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that did contribute to Henderson kind of just falling away in that second half because... You know, I think it was it was a bit of a strange tackle. I, I think Stanislas yeah. hurt himself by getting his studs caught yeah. rather than any damage that Henderson did to him. But it, you know, he obviously got the yellow, and then he's obviously then wary about. Oh no, I can't get sent yeah. off. So he, I think I think he didn't put himself about as 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 much as Liverpool needed him to. Um, and that was an issue. And I think the frustration was that if I, the other thing I was thinking of was Chelsea away when Liverpool were up against it, and Joe talked about you know losing control. Yeah. Well, that was a game where. 
you know, one of the big things come out of that win at Stamford Bridge was that Liverpool regained control yeah. Yeah. and just was like, no, no, we're having a bit of a bad spell, but we'll just dig in here and you know, we'll weather the storm and all the rest of it. But for some reason yesterday, that just didn't happen. I think the absence of Matip was yeah. huge. Yeah. I was, I was going to bring on to, to Joel Matip and another stat, and I'm full of them today. Liverpool have conceded nine goals in 11 games with Joel Matip in the team and nine goals in three without him, which, you know, it doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you an awful lot, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it does, because, you know, it, he's been getting rave reviews, and, and rightly so, because, you know, he's, he's, he reads the game so well, he, he's, he's, he's strong in the air, you know, and I think just that, that calm persona of his as well just rubs off on other people around him, yeah. I think. You know, he, he's made Lovren look a better player this season. And you know you saw yesterday, you know Lovren, you know it was it was his mistake that led to the penalty that gave Bournemouth a, a leg up in the game, and you know, he made other silly mistakes, Lovren. And the, the shame was, I thought Lovren had gone beyond that; that he needed yeah. he needed like a, a reassuring presence alongside him to, to 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 keep him cool and calm and making the right decisions. But he was poor. I mean, I I, I I saw on social media that Lucas got a lot of stick yesterday, but I thought that was harsh to be honest. I, think, I didn't think Lucas did an awful lot wrong. It was. If, if you were asking me who was the weaker of the two centre-halves, I'd, I'd have said Lovren on the, the basis of, of, of what happened at, at Bournemouth. Yeah, so we're talking about the centre-halves, but a lot of other people are talking about the goalkeeper. Uh, Jamie Carragher was quite critical of Loris Karius on, on at least two of the goals. I saw the match of the day crew were similar, Troy Deeney and uh, Jermaine Genus. And I think I'm right in saying that Troy Deeney said that now he's given Jürgen Klopp a decision to make going forward. Do you agree with that to start with, Christian, or would you say it's it's it, it needs to be more than one aberration? Well, first of all, I don't know which show Troy Deeney is to be honest. It's, it's, <laughs> and I I appreciate he was on match of the day. I just find it a bit mad that Watford centre forwards on a yeah. on a panel show throwing out well opinions like that. Troy Deeney as well. Yeah, exactly. Well. You know, he obviously <laughs> tests the carrier's load. Uh, <coughs> I, I think in normal circumstances he will give Klopp a decision to make, but I just feel that. The, the manager is going to stick with him and I, I don't think he's going to take him out the final line at the first real sign of trouble he's had a couple should, of should he? I think he should think about it I think I, I don't think a goalkeeper can have a performance like that and, and there shouldn't there can't be repercussions or, or at least the threat of repercussions what Liverpool really needs is, a, is a, an EFL Cup game this midweek to put Mignolet in and say right okay well th this is your chance to take again yeah. the problem is you don't want a situation Let's you know. Let's let's look at Chelsea for example. Courtois had a couple of dodgy moments at the start of the season, and they didn't turn to Begovic you know anytime soon. Uh, you know, Petacek had a couple, of, and I don't think he really ever turned to to Ospina. Yeah. You know, it, it's there is a clear defined one and two now at Liverpool, and it, it's not going to help anyone really shifting. But I don't see why that has to be the case. I, you look at that performance. He's at fault for the second goal. Yeah. The third, uh, sorry, yeah, the second goal. Yeah. The third one, yeah. he could possibly do a little bit well, better. I thought was the third one as well. Was not his sort of flap to concede at the corner from which the third goal came. Was there was one where I think it was Fraser who had a shot at Adam and he sort of fumbled it over the bar. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think sure the sun might have been in his eyes if it was being yeah. really, really, but you know, wear a cap. Uh, and then the fourth. I mean, look. Goalkeepers will do that all. Like I, I, I defy any goalkeeper. I reckon Buffon's done that in his time. I reckon Neuer's done that in his time. I reckon Mine exactly of one at Fulham on a Monday night when Pepe, Pepe Reina, yeah, Clint Dempsey it was in the one 0 on a Monday night. Yeah. The problem is make that mistake. 
but don't make it after you've made one or two beforehand as well. You know, that just was the cherry on top of the, 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 the cake of the unmentionables, to be honest. That was, you know, you've had a really poor game anyway, and you thought, you, you, you thought he'd redeemed himself with the save from Benekafobi, and then he just does that, and it's just like, you know, you, you've you've almost got out of jail here, in a way. You've had an absolute stinking of a game, but Liverpool are going to get a point here, and, and you know, Big, bigger picture, not a terrible point, but in the circumstances, things are going against you, that sort of thing, and then you just literally hand them all three points, and you just you can't you can't believe it really. Take you back to Andy Kelly last week. I think Andy Kelly's phrase was, "Carrier seems like a lucky goalkeeper." <laughs> he said it's early days, and he seems like a lucky goalkeeper. He didn't get any luck on it on Sunday. Joe, you stand on the goalkeeper debate. Are you uh, are you one thinking that it's it's a bit premature to be talking about bringing back Mignolet, who, by the way, you know, for all for all that he's getting a lot of um, positive praise now. He about this time last year there was suggestions that Adam Bogdan should be given a chance mm, in, in Liverpool's goal. He was, he didn't take it. So Mignolet's not averse to some poor form as well. It's really difficult, isn't it? Because Klopp, what does he do now? He's in a corner now. If he drops Carrius, you know, you might destroy that lad's confidence yeah, even yeah. further. If he if he um, if he decides not to, well then Liverpool might have to put up with having a goalkeeper who's quite not quite at it. Whether that whether he does turn it round, we don't know. And people are talking about David De Gea, but my worry with Carrius is I'm not I'm not seeing any attribute that you look at and think, well at least this lad has got got you know I remember when Reina came in and he was coming for things and not quite getting yeah. there, but you at least felt like this lad's a confident presence and he's going to come and make his presence felt at corners at free kicks. But Carrius he looks. Looks a bit like a mouse at times between the sticks. He doesn't want to come for things. He's not saving shots. I mean, I think he should have saved the second shot yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mignolet, for all his faults, is a fantastic shot stopper. One of the best I've seen at Liverpool. And I just think Carrius, I don't think his kicking is he's even that good. I don't think you're looking at someone and saying, wow, he can't half pass or, or kick a ball, you know. There's just not a lot there right now that you can go on and say, well, things could get better with him. It, it is really worrying because I think... Liverpool could end the season and need to go back into the market and try and get into the yeah. goalkeeper if yeah. he doesn't improve. I, I think it, it feels harsh to criticise him too much because he's 23 and yeah. Yeah, he's exactly. only played 10 games for Liverpool. And yeah. as we've seen, he's never been to Bournemouth either. And <laughs> been in that, you know, a bit of a dodgy pitch, yeah. slow yeah. Yeah. the whole yeah. game. So you know, you think you know, it, you would you wouldn't write off a striker after 10 yeah. games for Liverpool or whatever, and you shouldn't do the same with a, a goalie. Especially, you know, 23 is no age for a, for a goalkeeper, and you know, I, I know he came with like. You know, a, a, you know, a big reputation from the Bundesliga, but it's, it, you know, it's absolute. You know, you can't compare playing for Mines every week to playing for Liverpool and the, the expectation and the pressure that's on his shoulders. But I think what what makes it more difficult, I think probably for fans to get their head round, and also probably more difficult for Klopp as well, is the fact that he dropped Mignolet without Mignolet really doing much wrong this season. So I think if if Carrius had come into the, the team on the back of say Mignolet making two or three howlers. Yeah. And, and and now people will be going. Well, yeah, he made a bad mistake, but Mignolet was was you know got, let's not forget Mignolet was terrible back in August, but he wasn't terrible back in yeah. August. So you know Mignolet paid the price for what he had not done last season. Basically, I think Klopp had made his mind up. I need a new number one. Obviously, the waters were then muddied by by Carrius breaking his hand in pre-season, and you know and then Klopp you know nailed his colours to the mast. Said Carrius is my number one, but. Anyway, and also the way that Mignolet has responded to that as well, because I mean, he has done really, really well in the you know the, in the few games he's had in the EFL Cup. You know, absolutely, he hasn't put a foot wrong. And as Joe said, I don't think you, you look at Carrius. I don't even think you you see an attribute at the moment 
where you think he is better than, than, than what we've seen from Mignolet this season. And, you know, I'm loath to criticise Carriers too much because he is a young young lad and, you know, he has to be given time. But, you know, it, it's an issue that's not going to go away because, you know, I, I think I think it would be hard. I think it would, I, I agree that it would destroy his confidence to drop him. Uh, you know, for, I, I think he has to play against West Ham. But, you know, if, if, if he can't snap out of this quickly, then, you know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to keep on playing him because... You know, you've got a number two there who's actually responded really positively to the challenge he was given. I'm going to compare him maybe to someone like Moreno, who a lot of Liverpool fans wanted out the team. And you, you could argue it's not dissimilar situation to Carrius, but it's obviously a completely different situation with it being an outfield player. It, it's so much harder to drop a goalkeeper. I think we spoke at the time and said that I, I personally would have kept Mignolet in yeah. when, when Carrius came in. I, I'd have kept because because of this, because I thought you're putting pressure immediately on Carrius. That he he pretty much has to has to get it right from the from the word go. He can't be eased in, and I thought I thought it was a, a risky decision from Jurgen Klopp, and one that so far jury's still out, I suppose, on on both. I mean, ultimately, uh, the reason I feel like Mignolet, a lot of fans felt about Mignolet last season was that he was costing Liverpool points. Yeah. Which you know, let to, I don't know. I think that may be a bit harsh, but he certainly wasn't winning many for Liverpool. Yeah. But. I haven't seen that Carrius hasn't won a point for Liverpool yet, and in fact no. he's, he's 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 lost them three there. Well, that's so. that's one of the tight games that Liverpool have been involved in since Carrius has been there, and it, and you know you can pick the bones out of all the other errors, the Lover and Henderson defending the uh, the short corner and things like that. But he's cost that the goalkeeper he's mistake has cost Liverpool at least one point there, yeah. and probably probably all three. And then Salah's Park as well, you know, one nil, and 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 Liverpool are you know. Cruising, not the cruising scoreline, but in terms of like domination, yeah. and he comes off his line again. You know, Lovren's to blame as well, but it's just that, that those sorts of things. And as I say, the, 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 the striker's got him out of jail that day. Well, it's, it's, it's yeah. the forward players at least, but um, you, you know, it, it, no time for that against Bournemouth, and it's it is a big decision for for Klopp. It's probably his biggest one yet, I think, because as you say, it's hard to drop a goalkeeper. In terms of Klopp, though, he's, he's had a lot of praise off off a lot of people, including us. How about a little bit of critical eye on Jürgen Klopp and, in particular, substitutions Jürgen Klopp makes? And we talk about Bournemouth making a very good substitution. Well, two, in fact, because I thought Jordan Ibe was pretty good second half. Yeah. He only came on half-time, but Ryan Fraser changed the game. Jürgen Klopp used one sub yesterday in a game where we knew Roberto Firmino was, was carrying something. We knew that a few other players were, were playing through a little bit of pain. We knew he had a centre-back playing, at, in, uh, sorry, centre midfielder playing at centre-back. It's not the first time I've seen people ask questions about whether he leaves it too late or whether he doesn't doesn't trust players at, at the right time. Do you see anything in that as, as, a, as an issue? The Europa League final yeah. would be another yeah, one. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be a one, wouldn't it? I think people are points to the Europa League final, wouldn't they, when he was trying to whip the crowd up. And yeah. I think people were saying, well, <laughs> forget about the crowd, you need to yeah, make yeah. a few changes out there. Yeah, I thought he would, yeah. I, I, you know, you... you it's difficult because you don't know, you know, how those other players who were on the bench had looked in training this week and all the rest of it. But, you know, I, I was surprised that maybe he didn't throw on Woodburn for maybe yeah. his energy for the last fifteen or twenty minutes. Just because, I mean, Firmino was terrible, absolutely terrible. I thought, you know, he, I, and I don't know whether whether maybe he was it was a mental thing where he wasn't happy about being shifted out to the left. Um, you know, I, I, I you know, you know, probably rightly he's thinking, well, hang on a minute, why am I moving? Because yeah. you know. I, I've I've been so important to everything we've done in that number nine role, um, but that's not really an excuse for how poor he was on the day because 
you know, we've we've seen in games this season where you know he, he's drifted out to the left and and done loads of damage. But you know he was an absolute passenger for Mino on the day. And you know, it was a really rare off day for him. But I was amazed that he didn't get taken off. You know, Origi, you know, did, did brilliantly for the for the goal that he took. But second half absolutely went missing. Yeah. You know, when Liverpool needed a focal point and someone to hold it up and Not take the second, second and third goals, he's, he plays a, a part in the concession of both of them, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, far you know, far too soft. Uh, and you know that was and that was a big problem because you know then it you know when when it's when you've got no one there to keep it, it keeps on coming back. Um, so yeah, no, I think he was a bit slow to make changes. I mean, tempered by the fact that with a depleted squad, he didn't exactly have an embarrassment of riches on yeah. the bench. But yeah, I, I think I think he could have done more to 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 make an make an impact in himself because you know Eddie Howe certainly you know until you look at the subs, you know he was there was only one manager who changed the game with his substitutions. I, think, I thought Liverpool missed Mane when he went off. I think that was another big yeah. Big yeah, well, he hadn't he hadn't knocked any Mane. Yeah, he, he he been limited, wasn't he? yeah. So I think that, I think they, they missed him because he, he even when he's not playing very well, and I thought he was better against their Bournemouth than he was in the previous two games. As he showed against Sunderland and Leeds, he's, he's just got that in him where yeah, he's an outlet, yeah. isn't he? And, yeah. and he gets the ball and he gets Liverpool favour up the pitch. Yeah. In terms of you know cop mistakes and I mean this will sound ridiculous because obviously Rigi played really well and scored in the first half, but I would have left Rigi on the bench just because that gives them an option. I would have been playing for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Lallana and in the front. Lallana reviews first or even Wijnaldum and then you throw in, yeah. uh, you know, you have Chan. Um, yeah. Kevin Stewart, maybe Kevin Stewart, you know, like that, something, something like that. I just, I just feel that Firmino is such an asset now to Liverpool in that position that to, to move him out of there, I don't think you'd move. You, you wouldn't move Sturridge out out wide when he was Liverpool's main man. You wouldn't move Suarez out wide properly when he was Liverpool's main man. I think feel now with Coutinho out, reversal Firmino is Liverpool's best source for goals and chances, and and and, and the whole place should go through him in that false nine centre forward position. So it just felt really counterintuitive to then shift them on the right, onto the left, where it's not really as well. He's certainly no Casino replacements. He's a different sort of player, um, and 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 it also had the other bonus of, of having you would have had someone like Origi to come on in the last twenty fresh. Now obviously Origi scored. We don't know how it would have panned out, but before the game, that's what I was saying. And I just feel that Klopp doesn't necessarily turn, you know, as has been criticised, as he's been criticised for, turns his bench that often. So it didn't surprise me that he didn't really. Give much thought to that, but you know it was it was an option for him to, to leave something tangible on the bench in in Arini. Yeah. On the on the substitutionist point, it's funny because I think he could have just done something very basic and put Clavan on as another body in defence. You know, or put Lucas into midfield, put Lucas maybe, into yeah. midfield, and just put someone else to try and defend a few of those high balls and, and and a few of the corners and free kicks that were coming in. And I find it bizarre that he didn't maybe just do that. You know, it, I know it seems a very basic thing to do, but. You see managers like Mourinho take off a forward and just put on a defender. Yeah. So gonna... <laughs> with with uh, not much success yeah. yesterday, Goodison <laughs> Park, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, but, but just defend the lead yeah. and, and try and get out, you know, and, and all right, forget the wobbles and get out with a 3 3. Because, you know, I think that's another thing. Sometimes immaturity, trying to go for a game, draw it, get a point and go away. Well, well what about this? Andy Kelly is not here in person, he's here in spirit because this is a point that he raised yesterday. and. It contributed to him turning the air blue. He he was saying he was more as as annoyed about the the result yesterday as much as what it means for the future and the message that it gives to opponents. I.e., I'm looking at the next fixtures: West Ham, Middlesbrough, Everton, Stoke before Manchester City. And Andy's point was that all four of them will be thinking home or away. If Liverpool are two 0 up, 
we don't stop. We get we don't we don't say well all right we're beaten. Yeah. We we carry on because we'll get something and we yeah. can put these this team under pressure. We saw it in a way with West West Brom at Anfield. They were two 0 down, battered, and then ended up almost getting a two two draw out of it. We've seen it with other teams. Do you agree with do you agree with the points first and foremost? Yeah, I think it. I think it probably. I think what it does is it gives teams hope going into those games because suddenly. You know the, the form Liverpool were in prior to the weekend. You, you look at those fixtures, and you, and I think Andy said himself, "Well, Liverpool will be five points clear at Christmas." Yeah, he did. He did. Because because you you look at those games, and when you when you're sweeping teams aside like Liverpool have been, you say, "Well, there's not, absolutely nothing there to fear." And then suddenly, you know, Sunday was such a reality check. You then suddenly look at those games and think, "Actually, you know, that might not be as straightforward." Yeah. And I think that I think that that probably, you know, that that will be part of their mindset as well that. I think we've seen this season teams come into Anfield and, and, and you know, almost being resigned to their fate before a ball's been kicked because they know that Liverpool have got so much firepower they can hurt to hurt them. But I think you know, the teams will have seen that and thought, hang on, actually, you know, this isn't the invincible, yeah. unstoppable red machine that we thought that, that they were. <laughs> yes. that, that actually, that there are issues there. I mean, I think, I, I do think Matip's return, you know, he, he should be back for West Ham and I think that does... That does change things, but you know it still doesn't escape the fact that behind him there's a goalkeeper who, who looks incredibly nervous and his confidence is, is brittle. And I'm sure you know Billich, who's fighting for his life at the moment, yeah. will be, be telling them to to pepper him at every opportunity. Absolutely. Liverpool lost the the, the, the aura after after the course. Yeah. They, they, they yeah. saw, I think I think they were one of the two clubs remaining who had an aura. Funnily enough, Chelsea completely lost theirs at the start, and they've rebuilt it with this three-four-three. I think City have lost their aura completely, even before the Chelsea game. I think they, they were drawn in too many home games against you know mid-table sides. I think Arsenal. I think in a funny way, Liverpool demolished that aura at the very start. Even though I think that you know on the, on the slide <coughs> they've been doing very well since. Uh, likewise, Tottenham haven't. It? Liverpool had this aura, even though they lost to Burnley. They, they, as you said, this unstoppable red machine where. You know, we're not going. We haven't got a chance against these today. They're just going to keep on scoring and probing and probing and pressing and, and just dest- you know destroy us. Um, Bournemouth showed that, but yeah, that can happen. But if you can cling in there and then get at them in the last fifteen minutes, that that, yeah. that makes all the difference. So now you look look at it, Chelsea. Chelsea the only team in the board, and we're talking about title races, etc. Liverpool could go to West Ham seven points behind Chelsea. That even in December, that feels like a big gap. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna move on to Chelsea. I mean. We 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 done a podcast. We were down at myself, Christian, and James were down in Sanford Bridge earlier on in the season, and thought that Liverpool had sort of laid down a real marker and, and put Chelsea in behind the eight ball, if you like. But they the way they've responded seems to be a bit uh, a bit ominous, and especially on Saturday against Manchester City. Uh, to me, I saw them against Everton, and I said that they're the team to beat in the Premier League, and nothing I've seen since has, uh, has changed my mind. They've been great, haven't they, to watch? I mean, one thing I like about Chelsea in terms of they're just they're a nastier team. They're winners, aren't they? You know, yeah. and one thing I worry about Liverpool is they've got these supremely talented players, guys with great potential like Origi, Chan, um, Firmino, even Coutinho to an extent. And I think Chelsea will close games out. They won't let that happen. They would not let a team come back and win four three. They they will they will commit fouls. They'll make sure got balls go out of play. Yeah. They will waste time. Throw and themselves over advertising hoardings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's funny, they'll find ways of winning and I think that is what Liverpool lack. And It's, it's a winning mentality, isn't it? It's, it's, it's having the maturity to make sure that they don't fold under, under pressure and, and too often you see this team do that. 
But uh, so I was going to say, just on Chelsea, that they are at the moment that they are they look like they're going to take some stopping. But you know, it wasn't that long ago that they got exactly. turned over by Arsenal. And also, the, the point I was going to make was, I think Chelsea of the title contenders. I'm, I say that, I'm saying there's only four because I'm still not having Tottenham as title contenders. I'm saying there's four, and I'm saying Chelsea are the most reliant yeah. on on. Two players, in yeah. particular, like Costa and Hazard. If, if you took one of them out, I think you'd lose a lot of Chelsea. Yeah, you have Liverpool's title challenges still. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I am. They're only, they're only four points off the top. They've got four, <coughs> four five. You know, if you include Manchester City as, as as a home game, which you'd say you'd always back Liverpool in a home game, I still think five five winnable games before the end of the year. And I think if Liverpool were to take four four wins out of five, I think Liverpool would be right right in the mix going into the new year. I think this West Ham game becomes really big, yeah. doesn't it? They were terrible on Saturday, weren't exactly. they? Exactly, and, and you want to see Liverpool go out there, put them to the sword, put that behind them, and, and like Christian was saying before about their aura, just regain a bit of that aura yeah. and make a few of the other teams think, oh, hang on, maybe yeah. they're not there for the taking. Yeah, exactly what we did after, after yeah. Burnley. Exactly, you know yeah. I mean? You look, you thought we, can, we all remember sitting here thinking, oh, Burnley, same old, there yeah. you go, all that, all that positivity is... But the balloon's been popped and they go 15 games unbeaten. Yeah. It could go one or two ways, really, couldn't it? You think about 2013 uh, 14, which the season's getting a lot of comparisons to, and they played there, uh, I think it was Hull, yeah. and they got beat. It was similar time, time this time year, I remember, and same Moses weekend, and Sterling, same weekend. And then they responded with two really comprehensive home wins against Norwich and West Ham, and then absolutely demolished Tottenham at White Hart Lane, and then beat uh, Bicardov just before yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Obviously, then they had City and Chelsea, which they both lost, but you know the the, the title was sort of that was back on around Christmas time. I think back to o two o three when they went to yes. Middlesbrough, ice on the ball, Sander Westerveld and all, and all that jazz, and then he didn't win again till till the start of February, was yeah. it? Yeah. So you know Liverpool have to make sure it's it's the former rather than the yeah. last or, year. or last season as well. This weekend, I I only noticed it because it was the Santa Dash in Liverpool yesterday, and I thought, well, I remember the Santa Dash last year. We were going up to Newcastle, and Liverpool had beaten Southampton in midweek in the cup six one. And we went up to Newcastle and thought Liverpool are going here. Liverpool are, are really, really starting to cook here. And they went up to Newcastle and got Genie Wijnaldum and beaten two 0 <laughs> awful. And they didn't really that that sort of that did take a lot of the air out of Liverpool. And in terms of in terms of the rest of it, they lost to Watford a couple of weeks later. They lost you know poor games and away from home. Hopefully, hopefully we're not there. So to give it a positive spin, then as I just said, 15 games unbeaten prior to this. And yet, I'm speaking to people on social media who are telling me that that's seven of the starting eleven that have got to be sold in January. <laughs> and they, only know, seven. Only seven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe eight. But is is it a danger that you can read too much into? I appreciate him saying this after half an hour of discussion about the game. <laughs> but is it a danger you can read too much into one yeah. crazy afternoon as opposed to yeah. an upward curve well, of, I th- I of think, three months? Yeah, I think that's the that's the big thing, isn't it? They've, they've now got to prove that it is just a, a blip and. An anomaly, and and it and then it isn't a, a sign that underlying weaknesses haven't really been addressed. That they've just been the papered over. Um, you know, they've got the perfect chance to do that against West Ham this weekend. I think you know, a bit of a bit of context is important. You know, I think if most people have been been offered third place in the Premier League after 14 games and four points off the top, I think they'd have taken it. You know, if, you know, you rewind to the start of August and people were were asking, you know, have Liverpool done enough to even Compete for a, a top four place, um, you know. And the, the, the fact that they, they look, you know, more than capable of, of achieving that, um, and they're one step away from Wembley in the AFL Cup. So there's, you know, it's 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 not all doom and gloom by 
by a long, long way. They just need to respond because you know that was that was unacceptable what happened on Sunday, and there's there's no escaping that. Yeah, I want to move on to a couple of other other lines before we close up. Yeah, a, a nice positive one, in a way, and then it ended in a negative. But Adam Morgan yesterday for Cairns and Ashton, also on the end of a comeback. Um, an AFC comeback. An AFC comeback. We we had a chat with him. James had a chat with him uh, a couple of weeks ago. About him rebuilding his career after obviously being let go, another hat hat trick in the FA Cup on on TV. Great for him and good to see good to see someone like that rebuilding and and, and getting to a, a you know a place of happiness in their career. Yeah, it is it is a nice story. It's he's a really nice lad, Adam Morgan, and um, you know it was sad really the way that, that that things didn't quite work out for him at Liverpool, and then he had a he had a, a torrid spell, and it just shows you know how quickly fortunes can change in football. You know he went from you know living the dream in terms of making three senior appearances for his boyhood club and and then you know being shown the door by Brendan Rodgers you know I think you know went ended up going to Yeovil joining a, a relegation battle in the championship where you know, there was pressure on him to deliver straight away um and he ended up falling through the the leagues and you know he, he didn't even have a club 2 months ago yeah. you know it's, it is an amazing story you know, and he, and he said, you know, he he was he'd fallen out of love with football. Working a taxi company. Yeah, yeah. Well, his dad, his dad runs like a yeah minibus firm, and he said like his dad had been on at him saying, you know, come on, you can do some shifts helping out <laughs> with the minibuses, and so it was just a mate of his that said the place for Curzon Ashton, who said, you know, come on, come on down. I think it was like middle of October. He said, you know, give it a go, and he signed a week to week, and I think that's nine goals and seven appearances. You know, a hat trick. Wearing, wearing John Flanagan's boots. Wearing John Flanagan's <laughs> magic boots. So it's. It, yeah, it was just a shame. I mean, I couldn't believe. I, I was following it during the game, obviously before the game down at Dean Court on Sunday, and you, know, you, you think to yourself, oh, "That's amazing!" You know, yeah. A hat trick, firing him into the third round for the first time in their history as well. And I couldn't quite believe when I saw the final, the final score. But well, um, ten minutes, four I, I don't, I don't think Adam Morgan will be at Kirsten Ashton for, for too long, to be honest, because he's only on a week-to-week contract. And um, you know, surely there must be an awful lot of football league clubs looking at him and thinking. You know, I think we could pick ourselves up a bargain here. I think so, and good luck to him as well. Uh, the final point where you've been this morning, James, and uh, quite an exciting morning for you. You got to meet the vulture. You got to meet <laughs> one of the uh, one of what the second best goal scorer in the room was he behind, behind you? You got to meet Emilio Butragueño, the Real Madrid yeah, legend. Was, uh, tell us what that was about. Yeah, it was a um, press conference at Anfield to launch the uh, Liverpool legends against Real Madrid legends at. Being played at Anfield on the 25th of March next year, um, all in aid of the Liverpool FC Foundation. I think people will remember that the Liverpool legends went across the Bernabeu in June 2015, um, lost 4-2. So this is the return game. Um, so yeah, it was a great. It, it was great. You know, Butch Regano was was there, and, um, and the you know, Rushy and, and Fowler were there on, on behalf of the the home team as well. Um, and yeah, it promises to be a great occasion. There is yeah. it's a star-studded lineup they've got. Some know. names here: Luis Figo, Roberto Carlos, Steve McManaman, Daniel Lager, Jamie Carragher, Gary McAllister. Not bad, Joe. You're looking forward Not to that. Where's Emil? He, has, he, has he made it? Or? Didn't see his name no, down no, there, Joe. Phil Babb was there. Yeah, and Salif Diaw. Salif Diaw. Beyond talk of armour as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. why not? But pretty good. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the one I was looking forward to is, is, uh, is Steve McManaman going to play both for both. And Morientes going to play both for both as well. So that's uh, that's pretty good. And it's Steve McManaman, one of the best, uh, one of the best English import uh, export, sorry, ever. I mean, yeah, I like these sort of games. They're exciting, aren't they? It's nice. Uh, and you'd like to see him play a few more of the big teams around Europe, and yeah, um, some of the legends. I think they use the word quite loosely, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, Steve McManaman, you know, sort of 
leads the way, doesn't he, in terms of, of, of English exports? Because I don't think many, still not many players go abroad and make a, make a go of it. Do Scored so European Cup final. I still don't think he probably gets enough Hugely underrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these on these shores for it. You know. We're 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 running the uh, the Liverpool Advent Twenty Five uh, top players of the Premier League here. I'm pretty sure Steve McManaman will be featuring in the top ten of of that. Um, cheers, guys. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time, and uh, we'll have another one later in the week for you, previewing the West Ham game in detail. And hopefully, we'll have Andy Kelly and Ian Doyle back, so you won't have to put it with me for too much longer. Thanks very much. <laughs>